and welcome to the Tub Talk Sports Podcast. I am your host, Donovan Place, and I'm joined here by my co-hosts, Colin Hansel and Ben Schmidt. This episode is brought to you by LeBlanc's Jet Sweeps. They do power washing, driveways, gutters, sidings, and more. Um, They're founded on the east side of Oswego, Illinois. My family's been using them for years. They're great. All our local viewers, be sure to check them out at uh, www.leblancsjetsweeps.com. I repeat, www.leblancsjetsweeps.com. Set up an appointment today. All right. And we're going to get right into uh, the World Series. We're filming this right after Game 6 of the World Series. And I want to be the first one to congratulate Kevin Cash. You played yourself. I really think that's the best way to put it. I mean, you have to be insane to pull Blake Snell after giving up two hits and one runs. I mean, I get what the computer says, but at some point you just have to look at the actual game that's in front of you and see that he was dominating. I mean, I get third time for the order, but he's going to be asked about that all offseason. And that's if the Rays don't get back and win in a World Series, that's going to be his legacy. Yeah, it was, it was fitting that Mookie Betts came through with the, uh, the big homer, um, their big acquisition this year. Uh, Corey Seager, World Series MVP. He was phenomenal. Um, and Julio Ur- 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 Urias, he was great once again. He went, he finished the game uh, over two innings pitched. Uh, he, he really had a great postseason. And uh, it's, it was great to see Kershaw's reaction once they, uh, once the uh, final out was made. Yeah. And we saw it in the NLCS and we saw it in the World Series. Corey Seager, holy cow, this guy is a one hell of a ball player. And, you know, out of nowhere, we also saw Randy Arozarena. I mean, we, we've heard it all series, came out of nowhere. This dude is going to be a stud in this league. And my, my I mean, Ben kind of pointed out earlier, where pulling Blake Snell, the numbers obviously back it up. But, you know, he's cruising through the entire lineup. You, he mowed down uh, Betts, Seager, and Turner, the top three guys in their order. And you just got to – and the, the, the one other thing, the one other thing I didn't understand was putting in Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson came in right after giving up a hit. And Nick Anderson had struggled not only in the World Series, but the ALCS, gave up the double the bets, gave up the RBI, uh, ground out, also through the wild pitch. I mean, I think that's on Kevin Cash and Nick Anderson. Nick Anderson stunk pretty much the whole postseason, despite his .55 ERA in the uh, regular season. So that was very surprising to me, um, based on how locked down he's been all year. And, yeah, Randy Rosarena, he's hotter than the depths of hell. I've never seen a baseball player get that hot for an extended period of time like that. He, I know he broke the record for homers in a postseason. Um, it's great to see uh, someone break out like that, especially in the postseason, especially a rookie as he is. And, I mean, it's just crazy that – I mean, I I'd never heard of the dude going into the playoffs, and I'm sure the common fan hasn't either. Um, it was great to see a lot of these uh, – quality raised players get a lot of recognition over their postseason run and uh up until tonight Kevin Cash I mean he's still an outstanding manager it's crazy that they got this far um but yeah you're right that 
that was a very questionable decision that will be talked about for a long time. And you're right, Colin. Kevin Cash still is an outstanding manager. I know I said that if they don't get back, that that decision will be a part of his legacy. And it will, just because that's the way the media is these days, where it's more the one thing you did bad rather than all the great things you did. I mean, we all know the low, the low payroll that Tampa Bay is working with and the strings that Kevin Cash has pulled all year long to put guys in the situation to succeed. It's truly outstanding. It's, it obviously he was going to stick to that script here in world series game six. Cause that's what got them there. Um, hindsight is 2020. So um, as I guess it's not right for, for me to be upset with him because that's the, that's the path that got them to the world series. But um, either way, Kevin Cash is still a great manager. Uh, I, I hope that the Rays get back. They certainly have certainly have many great pieces. As a Red fan, I'm glad that Randy Rosarena is out of the NL Central and that the Cardinals dealt him. Thank them for that one. Never trade with the Tampa Bay Rays. I think multiple general managers have learned that because obviously the Rays know what they're doing. But going back to Julio Urias, who um, was who you guys brought up how dominant he was. As great as he was at the back end of this game, I think we all wanted, kind of wanted to see the Dodgers have some balls and put Kershaw out there for the ninth. I think Kershaw, Jansen, I agree. And you know, it, it it's crazy. It's it seemed to me like at the beginning of the year that Corey Seager would be the odd man out after this season, that he would be a guy that they can't really afford to hold on to. And we saw how amazing of a year he's had, his best season in the league thus far. Um, and capped it off with an incredible postseason run. So I believe he is up for a contract this offseason, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, he picked, picked the perfect time to kind of return to his old self. We saw how good he was as rookie or rookie of the year and then had to deal with the Tommy John injury. And I wouldn't say he was bad. He just wasn't the same guy. And that's what kind of led to what you said, Colin, about him potentially being the odd man out because L.A. is already paying so many dudes, you kind of thought, like, okay, contract year, if this guy doesn't prove it this year, it may not. we may not have the money to pay him. And he was even in some trade talk rumors. Multiple teams around the league looking for a shortstop. Lindor is always in those rumors, but Seager was kind of being thrown out there as well. But after how great he was this regular season and then the outstanding postseason, we saw he was World Series MVP. I think, I think L.A. can afford to go over the luxury tax to have to pay this man because – if they, if they bring him back, they got the whole core together still. So this is a team that could easily be back in the World Series again next year. Yeah, and I just did my research. Uh, Julio Urias and Cody Bellinger will uh, hit their first year of ar- arbitration eligibility this offseason. And uh, Justin Turner, Kike Hernandez, Blake Trinan, and Jock Peterson are all free agents. So LA is going to have a, a lot of work to do. Yes, and speaking of that name, we found out about 20 minutes ago, uh, Justin Turner got pulled, what inning was it? Was it the seventh or the eighth inning? Uh, He got pulled because he tested positive for COVID. Now, I don't know if this means that they tested him, like, before the game or maybe a couple days ago, and they just uh, got the results back midway through the game. But, I mean – if you're if you're one of the Dodgers players or staff, you kind of had to see, you know, if Turner was playing with COVID within the last, you know, day or two. It's it's a totally interesting thing to think about, just because um, we saw 
prime example, Cincinnati Reds back in late July, early August, they had a player, Nick Senzel, exact same situation. They actually found out in the ninth inning of a Reds game, they had to come and pull Senzel away from everyone else that was celebrating. And then the Reds didn't play again for a couple of days. So just, it's interesting to think about the fact that this test happened, he tested positive. What if this was going to a game seven? Would it be still have been played tomorrow? Like what, what would have been the consequences of, of that? It's just, it's just so along with all of 2020. It's actually kind of surprising that it didn't go to a game seven and then it would have went to chaos just because Turner tested positive. But um, I feel bad for the guy because he's, he's been in LA for so long and has been a part of those two World Series losses. I'm sure it would have been super cool for him to get to celebrate with all the guys, but I'm sure he's still happy either way, ended up with the ring. And um, for, former Cincinnati Red in New York met Justin Turner. People forget that he was kind of a journeyman before he found his home in L.A. But um, <laughs> I saw a tweet a couple minutes ago that he's feeling fine and no symptoms. So good for him. All right. Uh, we're going to go right into the NFL slate on Sunday. The first game I want to talk about was probably the best game of the uh, noon the noon kickoffs. There were was so many the, good ones. Sorry, to there was a, the, there was a lot of good games, but I think the best hour one was we insane. saw. Yes, the uh, I think the best one we saw was uh, the Steelers Titans. Or it was up there. I don't know if it was the best one, but it was definitely up there. Steelers twenty seven, Titans twenty four. Um, I mean, Derrick Henry got shut down by the Steelers defense. Yeah, the Steelers uh, defense has been on on top of it all year. They really. I mean, I know still giving up over 20 points is, is not totally on par for them, but the way that Derrick Henry had been rolling just to shut him down because Tennessee still has a good passing offense, but they, they kind of go through Derrick Henry. We know that. We saw last year in the AFC Championship game when Derrick Henry wasn't going absolutely insane, they put the game in Tannehill's hands and they came up very, very short. So – Good on Tennessee to still have a – still only lose by three points with Derrick Henry getting shut down. But it just really shows how good of a defense Pittsburgh is and how good of a team overall Pittsburgh is. Yeah, and Tennessee's uh, offense was really all over the place. I mean, aside from that, what, 73-yard touchdown from A.J. Brown, they really uh, were struggling to get the ball moving downfield um, despite Big Ben's three turnovers, which helped them – get back into that game and almost send it into OT. Um, but the main story for the Titans kind of the whole year is despite their good record, their defense to a lot of, to the surprise of a lot of people has really been struggling, especially on third downs. Uh, they let the Steelers go 13 for 18 on their third downs on Sunday. Um, you really can't have that if you're, playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, but that's been a problem for them the whole year. So it'll be interesting to see if they can return to the form that they were down the stretch of the end of last season. Um, and, yeah, that that Gotzkowski missed field goal is just absolutely brutal. He's, yeah, I think this was, this was like the perfect NFL chaos game where you had Ben Roethlisberger. He played a pretty good game, even though he still had the three turnovers – and the one at the end of the game throwing it to triple coverage was just, I mean, a head-scratcher. But, I mean, you said it early, Goskowski having the kicking struggles throughout the entire season. But, I mean, even though they did lose this game, Tannehill has been playing at an MVP level. 
And I think if you look across the league, he's still one of, the, I think, the top three dogs to win the MVP so far. Yeah, um, he's he's really, really stepped up this year. And I think it just – it puts more negative energy towards Adam Gase holding him back all those years in Miami because ever since he's made the shift to Tennessee, he's just been a completely new quarterback. I also just think it's it's kind of the right scheme for Tannehill. But Tannehill this year has, has taken it to a different level. We've seen them win a whole lot of close games, and that can't happen – unless you have a, a really good NFL quarterback, like these, the lower tier NFL quarterbacks across the leagues are the ones that aren't going to go down and get you a game winning drive. Meanwhile, Tannehill this year has multiple of them for Tennessee. I know the game week one against Denver came down to the wire. Um, they beat Minnesota by a point. So in, in a lot of these games where the defense hasn't shown up, Tannehill has been a big part of that offense. I know Derek Henry, I said was the number one factor and he still is, but Tannehill has definitely showed up in a lot of games. Yeah, and speaking of Adam Gase, we'll go straight to the next game. Bills 18, Jets 10. Bills committed, you know, the Jets, or they field goal the Jets to death, essentially. Josh Allen, not one of his better games, but I still think this was one of a game that, I mean, we learned a lot from. He didn't throw for a touchdown. I mean, they, the Bills didn't have any touchdowns, period, but he still had over 300 yards and a 68% completion percentage. Still not that bad of a game. Is it true that the New York Jets had less than 10 yards in the second half of the game? They had four yards of offense in the second half. That is wild. After After looking – Pretty good in the first half offensively. I mean, they. I think they went field they were goal. Moving the ball downfield. It was crazy. Yeah, it was. It was crazy. And in the second half, the Bills defense that has really struggled the last couple of weeks. Just, I mean, they shut them down. They looked like the they, Bills. They were the. I was watching red zone. They were the first team to get in the red zone all week. Exactly. It was nuts. I don't. I don't know who their running back was out there. Well, Michael P. Ryan. I, I've never heard of the dude. Frank, Frank Gore got some carries, too. Props to the Jets for sticking in that game and covering. Yes. Step well, in the right that was, that was one of my best bets of the week that uh, failed. Oh, yeah. Although they only had four offensive yards in the second half, their defense really hung in there. Yes, yes. But the Bills, the Bills. I think we can say after starting, what was it, four, yeah, 4-0, and Josh, everyone thinking Josh Allen could be a potential MVP including myself, they've really slowed down. And I think it's what's hurt them is that the offensive line has been really bad and they can't run the ball with that and it's putting pressure on Josh Allen. And then the defense, I mean, if you compare the defense to what it was last year, the defense isn't getting any turnovers. I think – I know they recovered a fumble this week, but I think they had an interception week one against the Jets. Those are the only turnovers they've been able to produce all season. Yeah, one thing that's really not talked about is how good Cole Beasley's been all season. He has been extremely, extremely reliable for them, um, especially with John Brown missing time. Um, but, yeah, they really got to get that run game going. I know Zach Moss just came back. He broke off a big run. Um, but Singletary, they just haven't really been able to get it going. I mean, Josh Allen is still their best option on the ground right now. 
Yeah, I was going to kind of bring up the same thing. I'd really like to see more out of Devin Singletary because last year he was – he had a lot of really good moments, but he was also splitting time with Frank Gore. So it was kind of just like 50-50. But once Frank Gore left, okay, okay we were like, it's, it's Devin Singletary's time to be the lead back. He's going to shine. He's going to show all that potential from last year. And granted, there's still it's tons of potential there. And part of it is how bad the line has been. But I still would like to see a lot out of more, a lot more out of him. And like Colin said, when Josh Allen is your number one um, weapon on the ground, it just shows that you're not doing a great job at the running back position. Yeah. All right. Next game: Packers thirty-five, Texans twenty. I mean, Devonte Adams. Holy shit! Devonte Adams. Dropped like 45 points to me. Another guy got me 50. So we'll talk about the other guy later. Um, another receiver. But Devontae Adams, uh, he had another week like this earlier in the year. He'll just do this like four times a year. He'll get like 200 yards. He'll just go insane. Um, but yeah, Rodgers looked great. I think he had four touchdowns. Uh, pretty clean game for the Packers with no Aaron Jones. And uh yeah, they, they got it done pretty easily. Big bounce back game for them. So that was nice to see. Yeah, no, we saw Devonta Adams go off in week one against the Minnesota Vikings and just completely did it again to the Houston Texans defense. And now they got the Vikings coming up again this week. So there's plenty of potential there for a second strong week in a row out of Devonta Adams. And I think it's clear that Green Bay is going to win this division. I know Chicago's got a good defense, but their offense is an absolute shambles. So, and, and the way Green Bay looks right now, there's no way they don't run away with that division. Um, I'd be very, very surprised if the way the Vikings secondary has been, if Devontae Adams doesn't have another huge game here on Sunday. Yeah. And uh, I think another point to point out was that Aaron Jones was hurt and Jamal Williams picked up the load. And I, I, I mean, I've loved uh, Jamal Williams as a fantasy owner the last couple of years. I mean, I honestly think Jamal Williams is like a top five backup running back in all of football. He'll just, he'll randomly get like one or two starts a year and he'll get you like 15 to 18 fantasy points. He's, I mean, he's a solid guy. And you kind of think maybe, you know, will he ever get a starting job? Maybe probably not with the Packers because of Aaron Jones, but is there a potential he goes somewhere else and gets a starting job? Man, at 11.59, I found out Aaron Jones wasn't starting, and I tried my best to scoop up Williams, and I just couldn't get it off. But, I mean, yeah, they have – don't they have uh, A.J. Dillon too? I was surprised that, yeah, he didn't get more carries on Sunday. And in one of our fantasy leagues, we have such a deep bench that I – was kind of thing like let's see maybe if if Aaron Jones misses a few games I'll pick up AJ Dillon just ask him on my bench maybe he gets some carries because Jamal Williams feels like more of a scat back type thing so I thought the big the big pound the rock running back AJ Dillon was going to get more carries and they just did not use him at all against Houston they they passed the ball and used Jamal Williams so good for Jamal Williams like you said he'll randomly get a couple games here where he just goes off and we'll see because I believe they didn't pick up his option. So I'm, I'm not positive on that, but we'll see. I, I don't know if I see him as a number one back, but I think he's perfect in the role that he's in right now. This is a, this is a good Packers team. They don't have a lot of holes. Their run game is strong. Um, when Devontae Adams is healthy, uh, Rodgers has been slinging it this year. 
um, the emergent, or I'm sorry, the rise of Robert Tanyan out of nowhere. Yes. Uh, I, I'm telling you, the Packers can find a way to uh, deal for a second quality receiver before the deadline. I think they're, they could be NFC favorites. Yeah, and I think I think even in this game, you saw a guy that could potentially end up going to the Packers. I think Will Fuller would be a great fit for the Packers. Um, it'd just be a case of whether the one and six Texans are willing to trade a guy that's potentially their like number one wide receiver right now, him or Brandon Cooks. But as you said, yeah, Aaron Rodgers going off, that's another guy who's probably in that three-headed horse for an MVP candidate this year. I also wanted to bring up, too, you talked about a player from the Texans that the Packers could target as a wide receiver. I think an even cheaper option, Colin might know who I'm going to say, I don't know, but I was thinking more along the lines of Kenny Stills, a guy that, when healthy, has been decent. But I think Aaron Rodgers would totally use him because he's more of a speed, deep ball receiver. Devontae Adams runs great routes. And then imagine having Kenny Stills to take the top off the defense. I was actually going to say the guy that kind of killed them on Sunday was their former receiver, Randall Cobb. Oh, yeah. I forgot he's Cobb, even on that team. Cobb is having yeah. – he's had a few really good games this year. He, yeah, the, the Texans have a handful of receivers. They also got Brandon Cooks. So, I mean, at one and six, you got to think, could they potentially trade a couple of those guys to get some picks to rebuild that not-so-good not so team? Yeah, Houston should definitely be one of multiple teams at the trade deadline kind of having a fire sale, if you will, because there's pieces on the Houston team, good players, but they're not in contention right now, and I don't think they're going to be for another couple of years until they make major changes. So they, along with teams like Dallas and Minnesota, I think should be teams that maybe not blow it up completely, but at least look to sell off some pieces. Yeah. All right, next game, Buccaneers 45, Raiders 20. I mean, Brady, I mean, Brady, that's another guy who quietly also in that MVP race. I mean, he threw four touchdowns, over 350 yards. He's been really good the last couple of weeks, except that one game to the Bears where he forgot what down it was. I mean, he's been, he's been solid all year. Colin, I know you had some very strong opinions on this game after it concluded on Sunday. Yeah, the only thing that I think needs to be said is um, the Raiders need to move on from their defensive coordinator, Paul Gunther. You can't have Scotty Miller just burning you the whole game. Bowling Green alum. Scotty Miller, Bowling Green alum. Just wanted to point that out. It wasn't just Scotty Miller. It was just all over the field, man. Guys wide open. It it was a – it was uh it was a pain to watch. Um, the Josh Jacobs really struggled. He could not find a hole. Um, the Raiders' offensive line was extremely banged up. Um, they lost. Oh, with Trent Brown having COVID, um, their replacement right tackle got hurt at the beginning of the game. I'm sorry, left. Was it? I think it might be. I think it's right tackle. Um, our right guard, Gabe Jackson, got ejected. Um, apparently, he stepped on a guy. I didn't see it. Cameras didn't catch it. And, uh, yeah, Richie Incognito hopefully will be back next week. 
Yeah. That's um. All, all right. Do you have anything else to say about this game? I got nothing. It was just a, it was a vintage Tom Brady performance. I think. Um, uh, yeah. Who was it? Was it Max Kellerman that admitted recently that he was wrong about Brady? Did you guys see that? I think. I think I, I think, saw. Yeah, somewhere. I saw some on Twitter. I mean, yeah. the fact that we let old Rob Gronkowski get like sixty-two and a touchdown—that can't happen. Hey, defense this year, pretty much most defenses across the league have been terrible. That's why even as a Bills fan myself, seeing how bad our defense is this year, I still have a little hope for later in the year. <laughs> a little a little hope. Just need, it to little get, hope. just need the temperature to keep dropping. Exactly. We need that Bill weather. <laughs> All right, next game, and I think probably the funnest noon game, Lions-Falcons, Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley, man. Holy cow. Atlanta Falcons fans are on life support. This is insane. Uh, Atlanta sports fans, just Atlanta oh, sports fans, yeah. period. Uh, Braves blew a 3-1 lead. It's in, it's incredible. I mean, they lost. We saw the onside kick against Dallas. We saw them blow the insane lead against the Bears in the last few minutes. Um, and now this. I mean, they lost because their running back accidentally scored a touchdown. They just – I've never seen a team find so many ways to lose. Even and, when they score, they lose. It's insane. <laughs> and another thing, I want to give the Lions some credit, particularly Matt Stafford. This guy has been clutch his whole career, especially the past four or five oh, years. Oh, yeah. This man has the clutch gene, the Mamba mentality. Matt Stafford is – Probably a top three guy that I would want, top five guy that I would want with like a minute 20 left, no timeouts. I want Matt Stafford because he finds a way. He always finds a way. He does. He does. Especially the last like year or two, they've gotten him a run game. It's just, I mean, Patricia needs to go. I think we all can agree on that. He needs to go. The defense, I mean, they need someone. They lost big play Slay. They got Okuda, but I mean, they, uh, they just need help on that defense. And I think – I mean, if you look at the lines at 3-3 three and three and you compare them to all the other teams in the NFC, I think this is a team that could potentially battle for that seventh oh, yeah. playoff. And, and, and think about – they should have won week one. If DeAndre Swift, you know, we remember oh, yeah. his awful drop um, at the end of that game. Another oh, Stafford should have been game-winning drive. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, the Lions are just another team that always find ways to lose. And they almost did it. Did you see uh, Amendola? You got, like, an unsportsmanlike conduct on the last – on Hawkinson's touchdown to take the lead. And yeah. they backed Prater's extra point up to, like, 40-some, almost 50 yeah. yards. I mean, they just – they're another team, man. It's like – it's always something. If they were playing anyone but the Falcons, I bet you Prater misses that extra point. But <laughs> just in that case, it was when it's two teams like that, one of them has to win. Um, but, yeah, I feel like with Detroit, though, a lot of times it's not totally their fault. Like Atlanta, they do it to themselves. Detroit gets screwed by the refs a lot. But um, I wanted to say about Stafford a quick, it's really a shame because he obviously had an amazing receiver in Calvin Johnson for a decent portion of his career. But he's never really had a great defense. And his head coaches 
Jim Schwartz is a good defensive coach, but he's not a good head coach. Caldwell was was okay. I think average is kind of the best way to describe it. And Patricia's been terrible. So um, I completely yeah. agree with you, Colin, that Stafford is one of the most clutch guys, but also doesn't get talked about. I totally – I think if he was given a good defense and on a lot of other teams in the NFL, I would love him as my franchise QB because he also just totally defines stability as well. Like the dude doesn't miss any games. You don't, you can pretty much lock him in for starting all 16 every year. So, and also the patience he showed on that final play of the game, a lot of QBs when they kind of felt the, the, the pocket collapsing around them would have tried to force something in or, or take a sack, but Stafford felt the pressure moved up and by sliding out to the left and kind of making it look like he might run for a second, it left um, TJ Hawkinson wide open and cutting across the end zone. And that's just what great quarterbacks do. They have great pocket presence and they can, they can make plays like that. So really good on Matt Stafford. Um, glad that more, more people were able to see how good he really is. I know it's a shame that he's been in the league for 11 years and there's still people who don't properly rate him, but yeah, Detroit at three and three, Easily could be four and two. We'll see where they go from here, though. Oh, and I got to give a quick shout out to my boy, TJ Hawkinson. That's a former Hawkeye right there on National Tight Ends Day. Came through for the dub. So shout out, TJ. There you go. There were a lot quick, of tight ends on National Tight Ends Day that went off, but you can go, Donovan. Yeah. Real quick before we move on to the next game yes or no question Does Julio get traded? I'm going to say no. And I kind of wanted to propose this idea to you as a future segment we could do like a buyers or sellers thing um for teams and i actually think no i think atlanta is not that bad of a team actually i think they've had a lot of winnable games and i think you know once they get the right head coach in there and you know they'll get a good draft pick uh restock on defense a little bit i think they have some pieces where they can win some games yeah, I'd say no, too, because the difference between this team and a lot of other bad teams is a lot of their losses are not blowouts. Like, they were in all of these games. If you're, if you're like a lot of the bottom feeders of the leagues, like, you're getting blown out, losing by a couple of touchdowns every game. Like, it's time to rebuild, and you know you need to blow it up. But with Atlanta, like, they're right there. They're just the anti-Seattle, where they can't pull it out yeah. at the end. And also, I think... Julio, they just extended him, I believe, before last year, so you got him locked up. He's still going to be good for at least another couple of years. And I think you, you hang on to him, at least for now, unless things get, like, remarkably worse over the course of this regular season than maybe look at it in the offseason. But as of now, no. All right, next game, another big comeback at the end, Bengals and Browns. And, boy, I had – Cleveland minus three for my best bets. So shout out Cody Parkey yet again for fucking me. Donovan, do you remember who my upset pick of the week was? Uh, yes, yes. And it almost lost. It almost lost. No, my upset pick of the week was, was Cincinnati upsetting Cleveland. You see, I thought you, I thought you had Cincinnati plus three. I just had, I just had, I, I had Cincinnati winning the game. Okay. So, you know, well, yeah. Okay. Came close. They came close. I, 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 it came close. Usually, 
I, I guess I could have just had Cincinnati covering. No, I had Cincinnati outright winning the game at home, which was a shame because Joe Burrow played a fantastic game. Um, yes. He's, he's got a bright future for sure. Um, Baker Mayfield after the pick, after starting 0 for 5 with a pick, was also outstanding. Really kind of put the team on his back or to, to lead them to that victory. I know people are saying, okay, you beat the Cincinnati Bengals, it's whatever. Baker can't control that, and Baker was put in a bad, bad situation with his defense constantly giving up points, and he just played really, really well. So I don't think we should discredit this Browns win. Yeah, on the topic of Cody Parkey real quick, this is nothing related to the game, but did you see the quadruple doink this weekend? Yes, yes. I mean, talk about, oh my, I think it was Rice and someone else. How the hell? That, that, that was one of the most insane videos I've ever that's, seen. That might be my favorite football play of all time. But that's besides the point. Um, both quarterbacks were fantastic. Um, both teams also, Jarvis and Tyler Boyd, both completed a pass. Um, that was cool to see. I love seeing Jarvis throw. Jarvis dropped a dime in. I don't remember who it was to. Jarvis, I think Jarvis is the best throwing wide receiver. Jarvis has a hell of an arm. I mean, he's up there. He's up there with Edelman. And you know what? So does Odell, too. It was very unfortunate. That is true, yeah. Odell. Very unfortunate to see him go down, um, I think, for any football fan. He's one of the most exciting players in the league. Um, we know what he's capable of, and that certainly hurts his Browns team. But they were still – uh, able to find ways, or at least Baker was able to find ways to um, win this game. Rashard Higgins had a big game. Um, that tight end, that rookie tight end, I don't remember his name. Um, he had a big game. Uh, even Donovan Peoples-Jones. So he, they were finding ways. I know the Cincinnati defense isn't good at all, but both quarterbacks were outstanding. Baker finished the game like 22 for 23, and his incompletion was a spike. Yeah. Um, five touchdowns, maybe the best game of his career, or certainly up there. And, uh, yeah, both of those offenses are electric. Um, and on the topic of Cincinnati, Cincinnati has a hell of a wide receiver trio. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, A.J. Green is starting to look somewhat reminiscent of his old self the past couple weeks. Um, T. Higgins is a great rookie wide receiver. He's – having a better rookie year than I expected. And uh, Tyler Boyd, we know how good he is. Um, he's established himself as one of the better receivers in the league. And uh, even without Joe Mixon, this offense was uh, pretty great. They had almost 500 yards of offense. Burrow was outstanding. Joe Burrow is the truth. To Cincinnati fans out there, I know you only have one win right now, but after – all the suffering you've been through in the, the Marvin, Marvin Lewis era, you should be very excited because if you could maybe have an ounce of an offensive line, this football team has a bright future ahead. I don't totally know if Zach Taylor is the answer at head coach yet. Um, we will still have to see about that. But the actual players, at least on the offensive side, this team, if they can put it together, has a very, very bright future ahead. It's also a shame, though, that they play in a really good division. But Joe Burrow, like you said, Colin, is the real deal. And I, I want to say one more thing about this game, and it's for the Browns. Um, the head coach for the Browns right now, Kevin Stefanski, Stefanski, 
He, uh, I think he's the perfect fit for Cleveland. We saw him as the offensive coordinator in Minnesota. And I know people give Baker Mayfield a lot of shit, but I think Baker Mayfield, give him time in this offensive system. I think Baker Mayfield is going to turn out very good. I think he'll become a little bit of a system quarterback as we see what Kirk Cousin was. But, I mean, we've seen all year the Browns can run the football, run the football, run the football. If they can get play action and they can get Jarvis, Odell, you know, they got Austin Hooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, you know, they have the weapons on the outside. I think the Browns at 5-2, and two, um, I feel like this is a potential playoff team, and I think this is a team that can be solid, maybe not compete in the AFC North with the Steelers and the Ravens, but I think this can be a solid team for years to come. Yeah, on the – Oh, you, you go. I was going to say, I completely agree with your point on Stefanski. And uh, for Baker, this was a make-or-break year for him. And if he keeps having games like this, then uh, they're going to keep him for the long term. He has some big games coming up, though. He's starting the next week with Vegas. Um, I, he, I know he still has to play Pittsburgh and Baltimore this year. And those were probably his two worst games of the season against those teams. So he still has a lot to prove, but this was – this should make a lot of Cleveland fans feel a lot better. Yeah. I was just going to say about Stefanski, I, when they made that hire, I was all aboard the Robert Sala hype train. I really thought that that was who they should have hired because we saw Stefanski in Minnesota come out with some real duds over the last couple games of the season. They played Green Bay at the end of the year and did nothing and then got absolutely shut down by San Fran in the divisional round. And I kind of just thought that, Kevin Stefanski was kind of being controlled more in Minnesota by Gary Kubiak. And I was like, this is a total Cleveland hire choosing this guy to be their head coach. And I will admit I was wrong. Kevin Stefanski looks like the perfect coach for that fit. And we've seen Minnesota now kind of be worse. So I think it really shows that Kevin Stefanski has a system and he's really good at running it. And that system, that system is, is perfect for only a few teams and Cleveland is one of them. Yeah. All right, next game, Panthers and Saints. This was the only this was the only game I bet on that hit essentially out of my best bets. I had the Panthers to cover. And I said, think about sprinkling a little a little money line. I mean, Joey Sly, we saw that, what was it, like a sixty seven yard field goal? Sixty five. It would have broke the record. It was about eight inches short. It was it was eight four so inches close. and it's going through. It's doinking in. But I, I haven't seen extra points be that right down the middle. Oh, it was perfect. Like, it was that was perfect. right down the middle as you could get. I mean, Joey Sly is, I think, one of the best kickers in the game. We obviously know about Tucker and Butker, but Sly, Sly's up there. He's got a boot. Big Cat said this. He, that was the greatest missed field goal of all time. Agreed. That was an incredible kick, and if he would have made it, it would have tied up the game, obviously. Um, that was my favorite part of the game right there. Um, yeah, it was, that, was, that was fun to see. And also, DJ Moore is back. He had a rough start to the year. You screw me over in fantasy. But he's had 93 yards in three straight weeks. He had that long touchdown, and it's great to see him and Teddy uh, on the same wavelength now. Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us really would have thought that at this point 
or coming into the season that at this point through seven weeks that Teddy Bridgewater would be top five in the league in passing yards. I mean, I know his average depth per completion isn't the highest, but yards are yards. And I think, I know I said it in the last episode, but the receivers on that team and just the way that Matt Rule calls plays, I think it's perfect for Teddy Bridgewater. I know they lost the game, but the Saints are also have a lot of really good players as well. So I think the Panthers are set up for success in the future. We'll see if Bridgewater does end up being their long-term guy, but he has looked really good so far this season. Yeah, both, yeah, and then and, uh, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, both teams did have some key injuries in this game. Um, I think the Panthers definitely win this game with Christian McCaffrey. Um, they could not get anything going in the run game. And the Saints are missing their top two receivers too. Hopefully Michael Thomas is back next week. I don't know what's going on with that situation, but Emmanuel Sanders was also out. So it was a little bit of a struggle for them. Yeah. And I was going to mention uh, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator for Carolina. Last year we saw him as the passing coordinator and wide receivers coach for LSU. Joe Brady, I think he's going to get head coaching offers probably this offseason. And I think this is going to be the next kind of, you know, best offensive coach we're going to see. He, I mean, he's making Robbie Anderson, as you said, DJ Moore, you know, I mean, they lost Christian McCaffrey, and they kind of didn't skip a beat that much. They had Mike Davis look really good. I mean, as you said, Teddy Bridgewater used, what, top five in passing yards this year? He's, he's really good. Joe Brady, he's going to get some head coaching offers for sure. Dallas should, should really think long and hard about reaching out to him if – they decide to move on from McCarthy, which I hate to overreact seven weeks in, but they need to move on from McCarthy. I can't wait <laughs> to talk about Dallas. Yeah. Well, that's the next game. The Dallas Cowboys and the Washington football team. And Mike McCarthy, did, did you guys see the video about the uh, the stat he found out oh, over yeah. the weekend? That if you win games in your div- division, you tend to win your division. Who would have thought? He thought he thought he struck gold with that one. (laughs) He thought he really Uh, had something. A quick, uh, a quick rest in peace to uh, Andy Dalton. That was a uh, that was hard to watch. That was a hard to watch hit. One of the nicer guys in the league too. Shame Uh, on shame on the Cowboys players for not coming to his defense. I mean, I hate to I hate to be that guy, but I mean, stick up for your quarterback. Yeah, the fact that nobody um, – I mean, that was – that hit was kind of not uncalled for, um, and none of his players went to go to Bostick or anything. It was Bostick, right? Yep, John Bostick, yeah, who, did, who did get ejected from the game. He did, but none of the Dallas players really reacted to it in the way that I think they should have if they were a tight locker room, clearly – it doesn't appear that they are. Um, their offense was just abysmal. Um, Amari Cooper got his fantasy points. Uh, he he did what he had to do. Um, C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup both with without a catch in that game. Um, Zeke could not get anything going on the ground. They had been struggling to run the football. And all that needs to be said is they got blown out by the Washington football team. Yeah, and 
Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Before Andy Dalton did get hurt, he looked pretty, pretty terrible. I mean, there were multiple balls where there were opportunities for guys like CD or Gallup who didn't have a catch where they they had beaten their coverage and they were open and the ball was just not in the right spot. Or there's one in specifically I think of where CD got CD just ran right up the seam, was open in the end zone, and it was very much underthrown. Let let there be enough time for the defender to catch up and knock it away. Where I guarantee you, Dak Prescott puts that in the right spot and they score there. So easily. I I honestly thought that with Andy, I knew Andy Dalton wasn't a great quarterback, but I thought he could run the system well, and he just has not looked good at all. And now we'll see if he ends up actually even playing this next week. Yeah, I, th- I think this um, all goes to show how good of a quarterback Dak Prescott really is. Um, I think he is going to get the respect that he deserves now. Um, he is a top 10 quarterback in this league, Dak Prescott is. And I really hope he makes a good recovery so that he can get paid well and, you know, come back strong for this team next year. But another point I wanted to make about Washington is uh, they have two wins now. Ron Rivera just had the greatest victory Monday of all time. He beat. I think. I think. I think you're going where I wanted to go. I think you're going where I wanted to go. Wrong. The uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna cut you off so I can say my piece yeah. first. I've been sitting on this take. It's a little bit of a hot take. I've been sitting on this take for a couple weeks. I think Washington wins this division. Wow. I think. I think. Because if you look at all the other, if you look at all the other teams in the division, outside of Philadelphia, none of these teams do one thing really good. Philadelphia's got some good pass rushers, but I think Washington, Washington's defense isn't great, but they can also get to the quarterback. Chase Young's a beast. They have a couple other guys that I can't really think of their name right now, but their pass rush has been very good this year, and we've seen Kyle Allen be a system quarterback for Ron Rivera, I mean, Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson, they've been pretty solid for them on offense. I mean, what is it going to take to win this division? Six wins? Maybe seven? I think Washington wins this division. And you know what? Uh, Ron Rivera is a great coach. Yes, Ron Rivera. It really seems that he has um, this team. It seems like they're – I don't know what the word I'm looking for is. They seem to be good in the locker room. Terry McLaurin's a great leader as well. I don't know if you saw that post-game speech. Um, I love Terry McLaurin. He's a great player, probably the best player on this football team. And it just seems that their head is in the right place. I think Ron Rivera has them motivated. Um, This is a team that wants to win. Antonio Gibson had a great game as well. Um, If they can get that run game going, that's a huge positive for them. And the last game of the season is their game against the Eagles. So hopefully we can. I think I think that's I think that's for the NFC East. Where, yeah, where's I, the game being played in? Where's it's it at? Played in Philly. Okay. Okay. I'm hoping we can get to that point where it comes down to that because that'd be extremely entertaining. Yes. But yeah, Washington clearly headed in the right direction. They got the Giants coming up next after their bye. And I, I remember when Rivera would or did take the Washington job, there were some people kind of like 
why didn't he even look at the Dallas job? Because if you remember, Rivera interviewed with Washington and signed with them immediately. And there were people who, um, I might have misspoke a second ago, people who said, why didn't he even look at Dallas? But I think Rivera saw saw the character on this Washington team. And I really think he thought he could make an impact on this organization. And so far, I know they're under 500, but just the way they play and support their guy, I think, really shows the work he's done so far for that team. And you know what? There's, I just want to say one more thing. There's a lot that comes with being the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, they're America's team, quote unquote, America's team. And you know, <laughs> they get the most national coverage. Um, and you're really just under the spotlight. I'm not saying that Ron Rivera can't handle the spotlight, but there's a lot that comes with it. And, you know, you're right. Maybe he saw something in this Washington team that, you know, he can fly under the radar a little bit and prove how good of a head coach he really is and help this team grow over the next few years. All right. Next game, we probably don't got to spend too much time talking about it. Chiefs, Broncos, I mean, the Chiefs have so many weapons now on defense and special teams. They scored a couple defensive touchdowns. It's nice to see uh, Chad Henney get in the ball game. But, uh, yeah, Drew Locke, uh, Drew Locke does not look very good. Drew Locke has had a rough past couple weeks. I know they beat the Patriots, but he almost gave that game away, and he really struggled this week against Kansas City. He had a bad pick six. Um, it's nice to see Noah Fant out there healthy, I will say. Yes. It's good to see him back, my favorite – Top three favorite tight end, you know. Um, but I still think the Chiefs are, in my opinion, I think they're the best team in the league. They're my favorites in the AFC. Um, and, yeah, it's – I mean, there's not much that needs to be said. Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, they're all on point. They're running game. They just got Le'Veon Bell. They have a lot of depth. Um, and they just pure out – full out dominated the Broncos on the road. Yeah, Denver really looks kind of like a mess right now. I don't understand trying that flea flicker in a snow game when you're trailing like they were. That was kind of an interesting call. I mean, I know Denver has been hit very hard with injuries. Obviously, Von Miller, Cortland Sutton. Um, I think Drew Locke is playing a lot better right now if he has his wide receiver one. Um, I think I think Denver has a very, very – um, talented, at least potentially talented offense when they're all healthy with Gordon, Lindsey, Sutton, and Fant, and Judy. But it's a shame we haven't really been able to see them all at the field at the time. But, yeah, they just look like a mess right now. Yeah. And I think that pretty much sums up this game. We yeah, got the Chiefs. Are... There's not a whole lot to say about that one. It was kind of kind of over from start to finish. I'm glad I got a Tyreek touchdown for some fantasy. I actually – I'm looking at the stats right now. I don't – I'm assuming this is accurate, and this kind of blows my mind. Denver had 411 yards in this game. The Chiefs only had 286. It felt to me like Denver would get at least across midfield and then kind of just stall out where the Chiefs yeah, – I mean, the, the Chiefs, Chiefs didn't need to put up a ton of yards. Yeah, the Chiefs, they had a kickoff return, so I think that's why they didn't get that many yards. I think they also had two defensive scores. Yeah. 
So, I mean, that's that's three touchdowns not from the offense. So, I think that's why they didn't get that many yards. And also, we didn't even talk about Le'Veon Bell played his first game for the Chiefs. He was, I think, his final stat line was six carries for 39 yards. I believe that was the line. So, very, very efficient compared to some of the terrible games we saw him play in New York. And that's not even a full workload for Le'Veon. So, um, yeah. obviously, Clyde is still the RB1, but I'm sure they will – find many many ways we know how creative Andy Reid is they will try and find as many ways as possible to get him involved because I think after seeing you you go six for 39 is like okay he still has it now it's let's let's make his workload even larger and they play the Jets coming up soon so um maybe maybe Le'Veon Bell's got a little extra energy for that one yeah all right next game 49ers Patriots um Patriots looked terrible and also the 49ers can put anyone at running back and they can be a winning football team literally literally anyone we could be the running back trio for the 49ers and we go 10 and 6 it looks like jamichael hasty is gonna start next week is that how you say his name i i i don't even know who the guy is jamichael hasty i think he's starting running back next week yeah you're right colin i mean i've can anyone off the top of their head think of a running back room been as hit by the injury bug as this 49ers team? Because Coleman's been hurt. Mostert played great, got hurt, came back, and then got hurt again. I believe um, then Jeff Wilson had an awesome game this week against New England, and then on his third touchdown of the game got hurt too. So that's three running backs. They may be getting Tevin Coleman back here soon. Well, like you said, they're on a Jamichael Hasty now. Can anyone think – and all these running backs have been playing well, too, and they're all hurt. It's just – it's crazy to think about. And you know what? Not to this degree, but it did feel kind of like the Chiefs, maybe not – like back in the day, the Jamal Charles days, it felt like when J- Charles went down, they could bring in Niall Davis or uh, – uh, what's his name? Spencer Ware or Shark Spencer Ware or someone else that can just come in and do work for you. Seems like a good fantasy pickup every time Charles went down. Um, that's the only thing I can really think of. Another team that can really just plug in a running back and have them succeed. Yeah, and uh, Cam Newton, I mean, Yikes. he he does not look good throwing the football. I, they're just – their whole offense seems so out of sync. It's so – Unpatriot like, and I mean, we saw we briefly saw Stidham against the uh the Chiefs. Stidham didn't look all that great. I mean, there's got to be a shot that I mean, I think they're gonna draft, they have to draft a quarterback in the first round this year. It's when the season first started, it seemed like the Patriots had an identity, it was a lot of ground and pound. Cam Newton was killing teams on the ground, he played really good against the. Dolphins and the Raiders, two of the games that they won. And then even against the Seattle loss, Newton looked great. So they were they were two and one, and at least they seemed like they had an identity. And then you had the thing with, with Newton getting COVID, missed the Chiefs game. And since he's been back, it's just it hasn't been the same team. And like you said, it's very unpatriot like because they all these years with Brady, they kind of they you knew what you were gonna see out of them every single game on offense. And at this point, 
I think I think you're right where New England may not have a super high draft pick to get a guy like Lawrence Fields or Lance, but you at least have to think about maybe looking towards the future or maybe moving up in the draft. I don't really know. It's it's going to be big for them to try and get things turned around and get things turned around fast. I kind of I kind of want to shift my attention to the 49ers cuz I think they deserve a lot of credit for this win. Um this big win. They've played really, really well the past couple weeks. They have a big matchup coming up against Seattle, I believe, next week. And uh, this this team's been playing great. Um, Garoppolo, he makes a couple throws a game that really make you shake your head. Um, I don't love Garoppolo, but I think he's good enough. And their receiving core looks nice with George Kittle. Ayuk's been a lot better the past few weeks. They got Debo finally healthy. And like you, like we talked about, their running game has been exceptional, regardless of who's at running back. And their defense has been good, despite the loss of Nick Bosa. Um, this team is now at four and three. They're last place in the division, but they're right there. I think they can beat any team in that division. And their schedule coming up is brutal, but this team is definitely capable of making the playoffs again. And I want to correct you. Uh, Debo Samuel got hurt at the end of the game, and he's now out next week. Against the oh, no, I Eagles. missed that. Yeah, so they're, they're going to – what year was it? 20, 2018, 49ers, where everyone got hurt. <laughs> they're going back to those Niners. All right, next game, Jaguars, Chargers. I know Collins dying to talk about his guy. So let's just go right to him, Colin. Let's let's hear it. Let's hear you talk this, about your guy. I love this game because for one, it was Scorigami, 39-29, first time in NFL history. Um, Justin Herbert is the truth. Um, I believe he's going to win Rookie of the Year, even though Joe Joe Burrow's been great. I think Herbert's been a little bit better when he's played. Um, and this team has finally found their quarterback, um, for sure. He was connecting with Keenan Allen this week. Uh, Keenan Allen had a great game. I don't know who Jalen Guyton is, but he's been he's had a couple uh, long touchdowns this year. I guess that's another weapon for them. And they're doing they're putting up good numbers without Austin Eckler. He should be back soon. Um, this is a this is a good Chargers team. Not great. They can really – I feel like they can compete with any team in the league any given week. Um, they just got to figure out how to close games. This was a good step in the right direction, even though it was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But if they can figure out how to close these games out, which they've been the worst team in the league at doing the past couple of years, um, they're dangerous. Justin Herbert can do it through the air. He can do it on the ground. He had over 400 yards of offense, four touchdowns. He's looked fantastic. And the dude has an absolute cannon. Like he can just flick it 40 yards with no effort. Like there's, there's, there's quarterbacks who really have to step into it. Herbert can just – like we talk about Patrick Mahomes' arm strength. I'm not saying that Herbert has Patrick Mahomes' arm strength, but Herbert has – Josh Allen. Cannon. Yeah, yeah, but Herbert's better than Josh Allen. Anyway <laughs> – Anyway, um, you got to be excited for, for the future in, in, in L.A. Um, what a great time, your first season in L.A., and you find your new franchise quarterback. I, 
obviously we know there's not a huge population of Charger fans, but hopefully Herbert will be the guy to kind of attract some of them and get, get people down there excited because we know, we know how good the Rams look so far this year and how great would it be for that city. I mean, I shouldn't say that because they already have had two teams win championships, but having two good football teams would be even more exciting. I'm attempting to start Justin Herbert in every fantasy league this week. I think I have him in three of my four leagues. Um, and you best believe he's going to be starting in th- all three of them. This guy has been outstanding as of late. And I, I, I know it's the Chargers, and I do not like the Chargers. I'm scared um, to play against Justin Herbert because I think our defense is going to get carved up. But it's, uh, it's good to see, especially watching him at Oregon the past four years. It's, it's good to see him doing this. Yeah, and I have a couple things. Uh, this was Herbert's first win as a starter. Um, the Chargers are two and four, not looking too good. But I do think this is a team. I mean, the Chargers have been known to do it, where they start to pick up steam halfway through the year and start to make a little bit of a playoff push at the end of the year. They've played a lot of their tough games early. I think this is a Chargers team that could potentially contend for a seventh spot in the AFC. And also talk a little bit about the Jaguars. I just feel bad for the uh, for Gardner Minshew. I mean, he's every everyone loves Gardner Minshew. He's in such a bad situation. They're probably going to draft a guy. Let's hope he gets traded to some you know team. Maybe he goes to New England. I don't know. They need a quarterback, but I hope Gardner Minshew can find a home somewhere else. I think Gardner Minshew is going to be in this league for a long time. Um, he's reliable. He's not an insane talent. We've known that since, you know, he was at Washington State. But this is a very likable guy. He can sling it. Um, and he, he can get the job done. So I know he's not in the greatest situation. But I, I do think he's proving that he is capable of playing in this league for, for quite some time. And James Robinson, I've, I mean, no one's ever heard of this guy coming into the year. Fresh out of Illinois State. Um, shout out some of our boys in Bloomington. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, you know, he's – that's kind of been the story for them this year is, is uh, James Robinson out of nowhere. Yeah. All right, next game, and I think this is the best game of the weekend – Seahawks Cardinals Sunday Night Football. This game was on crack. You had the DK rundown. You had the Cardinals icing their own kicker. I mean, you had you had, uh, Lockett had 200 yards and three touchdowns. I mean, this game was insane. It really, it really just capped off a, a really good day of football. I mean, we talked earlier about how good the noon games were coming down to the wire, and then. We had the, sh- the shootout with L.A. and Jacksonville, a couple of the good afternoon games, and then this just topped it all off was the best one of the day. I mean, we talked about it in our first episode. This was a chance for the Cardinals to really put themselves on the map, and they, they played really, really well. I mean, the, the Buda Baker interception, dude's a really, really good safety. Um, not good enough to outrun DK Metcalf, but DK Metcalf is also a freak. But um, Kyler Murray was fantastic. 
Um, him and DeAndre Hopkins are going to be a fantastic duo. I think we already knew that, but just to reiterate, they're going to be a great duo in this league for years to come. And the play that Isaiah Simmons made on that Russell Wilson interception, I know it looks like a really bonehead throw by Russell, but if you kind of watch from a different angle, it was a good bluff by by Simmons and then dropping back into coverage. It really makes you wonder why Arizona does not use this guy more because his percentage – of, of snaps when it comes to overall the entire game is so low for a guy drafted that high. Um, and you haven't really heard. It's like, it's not like we've been hearing that he's, that he's been injured or something. They just, it's been such a weird story, but for him to make a play like that in overtime, because if he doesn't make that interception, Seattle punts in Arizona, they may not have enough time to get into field goal range and a game ends in a tie. But the play that he made to pick it off and then set them up for a game-winning field goal, you just have to look at it and be like, why is this guy on the field more? We know he can play so many different positions. What's holding them back from using him? There's a lot to talk about with this game. Uh, Over 1,000, almost 1,100 yards of offense. You'll love to see that. And what the hell was Cliff Kingsbury thinking? I mean, it's a a 41-yard field goal attempt. But you, it's second down. You still got two more. This team was running over Seattle's defense all night, especially in the second half. I don't understand why you don't run the slight risk of picking up some more yards. Um, but it happened. He missed the field goal. They got fortunate. They still won the game. Um, Seattle's defense stinks. Yes. It stunk all year long. And – it really worries me. I, I can't put Seattle too high in the power rankings because I just don't trust them. They're, Russell Wilson is clutch. Um, he's in that. Let Russ cook. Let Russ cook. Um, but he, he did throw three interceptions this game, and that is something to take note of. Um, as amazing as he's been, I think this takes him down to number two in the MVP race. I'm putting Rodgers number one right now. I agree. Um, I'd agree. And yeah, it's, they didn't have they didn't have uh did Chris Carson get hurt in this game? He did get hurt. I Carlos Hyde Carlos Hyde looked really good and I believe he, he got hurt as well. Yeah, Hyde was playing well. Um I think they're saying Hyde's gonna play next week. Also, Drake got hurt for the Cardinals. Yes, Kenyon Drake did get hurt. However Chase Edmonds was awesome though. Chase Edmonds has been very good for them this year. He hasn't done a he's been quiet. But he has been getting carries and he has been getting receptions. They have been using him a lot this year. Um, and yeah, Kyler, Kyler's another guy. He'll make a couple throws a game that you're like, what the hell? But he's a great quarterback. He's proving some people wrong. So glad he stuck with football. Um, and the Cardinals, too, they're, you know, him and Hopkins are going to be together, like Ben said, for a very long time. And that's scary for NFL defenses. Uh, and Larry Fitz has still got it. He, he can still make plays. I love that thing he does where he runs up and grabs the ball and puts it, you know, hands it. Yeah. <laughs> Just, he saves a couple seconds at least by doing that. Yeah. His IQ is off the charts. But there's yeah. a lot to like about this Arizona team. Um, they're young. They're, they're, they're very exciting to watch. Their defense is still questionable, but they did make some plays. Um I was wrong about them. I said they weren't ready for prime time, at least until they could prove it to me, and they proved me wrong. Um, like Ben said, Isaiah Simmons, 
he's a freak of nature, insane athlete. Um, and it was great to see him make a play after hardly playing any snaps in the first half of that game. And uh, their, their secondary has made plays. They still have Patrick Peterson, Buda Baker. Um, everyone's talking about how DK Metcalf somehow, some way chased him down. That was pretty incredible to watch. Um, and Tyler Lockett. Can we talk about Tyler Lockett? This guy, 15 receptions, 200 yards, three touchdowns. That's one of the best wide receiver performances we've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, he's very underrated. That's been a hot topic point over Twitter. I've seen is like Tyler Lockett's the most underrated receiver in the league. And I think that's, I think that's the truth. He's outstanding, but yeah, I, I think we need Seattle on primetime every week. They're, they're so exciting to watch. Agreed. Agreed. Now, I got a couple things for this game. One, thank God. The, I mean, it sounds crazy that I'm crediting the NFL. Thank God they flexed this game into primetime oh. and flexed the Buccaneers Raiders out of primetime. Thank so God. That's Thank God for that. And number two, I got a little bit of a hot take with this game, too. A little bit of a hot take. You kind of saw it on Twitter a little bit with DeAndre. Kyler Murray, I think if he keeps up what he's doing this year, he's another guy where you can throw into a possible MVP candidate this year. And the NFC West, the NFC West is insanely great. They have three teams now with five-plus wins. We talked about the 49ers, how good they've been. They're the last-place team. Um, and I know we're about to get to the last team in that division here in a minute, but um, it's it's a shame that all four of those teams will not be able to make the playoffs. And that yeah. someone from the NFC East will. Exactly. But um, it's um, speaking of Kyle with the whole MVP thing, he was rookie of the year, and then you were kind of just wondering, okay, let's see now. He's got Hopkins year two with Kingsbury. Can he go up from Hill? Can he go up from here? And he certainly has. He has been awesome this year. He's still great on the ground. Defenses still can't stop him on the ground. Like, we see a lot of times with these rookie quarterbacks, they come out and defenses don't totally know how to game plan for him yet. And they are able to take off and just run wild. But by year two, defense will learn how to game plan for him and they'll have to pass more from the pocket and that's when they get exposed. But with Kyler... One, he's great at passing from the pocket, so he doesn't have to worry about getting exposed. But they still can't stop him from running. The dude is so athletic. And it's just – Colin mentioned this. Thankful that he chose football because if if he chooses baseball, I'm sure he could have been great at that because he's a great athlete. But Kyler Murray is playing for some minor league team and who knows where right now in the Oakland athletic system if he chooses baseball. All right. And let's get to the final Monday night football game. Bears and Rams, I mean, I'm just going to say it. The Bears are an ugly football team. They're going to win. They're going to win a handful of games. They're going to be over 500 at the end of the year, I believe. They're going to be over 500, and every game they win is going to be – they're going to win ugly, and they're going to lose ugly every game. The, the problem for Chicago is outside of maybe two games against Minnesota, and I still think Minnesota could probably split with them, but outside of Minnesota, um, Chicago's been through the easier part of their schedule. 
we saw they face a good team in LA and they just got absolutely shut down and they still have a lot of tough games ahead. They play green Bay. I believe they got new Orleans in a couple weeks. Um, so it is not get any easier from here. I said that if Chicago could go out and really impress me last night, that I'd kind of start taking them for real. And it was the complete opposite. Their offense could just not move the ball. And I have no idea what the answer for them is at quarterback. It just does not seem like – I know Nick Foles can manage the game, but I don't know if he is really the guy that I would want running my team. Although I can't say a whole lot because Kirk Cousins has done 10 interceptions. This is a 5-2 and two team that feels like a 2-5 and five team. I don't know how else to say it. Um, it just kind of feels like a disaster watching them. I don't, I don't know how they have this record – I know they've had a somewhat easy schedule, but they have the Saints, Titans, uh, the Packers twice, um, the Lions, who have been playing well, and they'd have to play at Minnesota, which is, you know, not easy. Um, they have a lot of tough games left on the schedule. And the fact that they still are going back and forth on quarterbacks, and that's my favorite thing is every couple of weeks you see Bears fans going, put in Trubisky, put in Foles. It's fun to watch. It's fun to see them go back and forth on that. And it's not based on good quarterback play. It's based on how bad one is doing. So it's like, okay, put in the other until he shits the bed. Put in the other. So that's fun to watch. Um, they, again, still have not got the ground game, the running game going the whole season. Alan Matt Nagy has not been good on the play calling in. Sorry to interrupt you. Very, I just yeah. needed to throw that out <laughs> Throw that out Very there. questionable play calls from Matt Nagy. And, I mean, Allen Robinson is the only thing that sticks out at all on this offense. Um, pay the man. Yeah, pay him. They need to pay him. He's fun to watch. Um, they sh- for sure, I don't know where they would be without him. Um, but, yeah, the Rams, um, they – Lost to San Francisco last week, but they are now five and two. Um, they're still tied for second in that division. They've gotten their run game going a lot better now. Um, they've kind of inserted Daryl Henderson as their starting running back. Um, and their Jerry Goff has not been bad this year. He has been quietly been pretty good, pretty solid. Mm-hmm. And uh, their defense has stepped up on various occasions. They've quite, Aaron Donald is the best football player in the world, in my opinion. I don't think that's too hot of a take. I think he's the best football player in the world, best at his position. He is so disruptive. And Johnny Hecker. Man, I really appreciate good punting, and that was amazing to see. It's not too often you come out of the game with one of the stars being a punter, but Johnny Hecker is really, really good at his job. For the brand. Really good. For the brand. And it was also kind of ironic how um, Leonard, how good Leonard Floyd was in that game. That was his revenge game. And yeah. he, had, he had a couple sacks for a lot of yards lost. And it was – I, it, it was a fun game for me to watch. I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the Bears, 
I mean, I think I think even Bears fans can tell you the Packers are probably going to end up finding another way to win this division. Um, I think those Bears-Packers matchups will be very fun and interesting games. But, I mean, you just look at the fact that now they're going to have to compete with the Saints, the Lions, you know, the, uh, the Panthers possibly, the Saints, and then all – all four teams in the NFC West for those three final spots for the wild card. And, you know, like Ben pointed out that they've only played, you know, the soft part of their schedule. This is a team that possibly could be on the outside looking out. I know we got a lot of bears fans that we're friends with a lot of bears fans that they listen, but I still need to see a win. We did see the win against the Buccaneers. I'll give you that. It was a very good win. Impressive but I still would like to see one more possibly against the Packers to say, all right, this is a legit team. I do think we caught them on an off day. They did not look good, but I do think they're better than how they played. And you know what? I don't mean to come in, come on here and shit on the bears. So I'm going to say some positive stuff about them. Um, For one, I'm not even going to be sarcastic. For one, next week, they have a very winnable game against the Saints who have not looked great. It's on the road. Or it's, it's on the road for the Saints. It's in Chicago. Very winnable game. And another thing is, as temperatures continue to drop, we see lower-scoring football games, maybe more winnable games for the Bears. Maybe that plays well in their favor. Um, they get yeah, Kirk that's... Cousins on a Monday night game at home. They do get Kirk Cousins on a Monday night game. And down the stretch, they do have winnable games. Uh, Lions, Texans, Vikings, Jaguars. Not easy, but definitely winnable. So I think this team definitely does have a path to make the playoffs. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens with their quarterback situation. Agreed. All right. And we're going into the final segment of the show. Hey, can I say something real quick? Of course. So we talked about – this is um, going back to our very first segment of the show, talking about the World Series win. So we talked about the whole Justin Turner thing and just impact COVID has had on baseball and everything. So I don't know if you guys saw the pictures. Um, Justin Turner was actually out on the field celebrating after the win. I did not know that. He was, <coughs> he was in pictures. He was on the field. And someone on Twitter pointed this out. And Rod – or not Rod, Jeff Passan replied to that tweet and said, the answer is he went back out and nobody stopped him. He was asked to isolate and didn't. It referring to Justin Turner. So yeah, he and he tested positive twice today, so it was not not false. Oh boy. So a little trouble uh. in paradise already. Interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going into the last segment. We're gonna preview Thursday night football. Falcons at the Panthers, Carolina. Opens out minus two and a half, and the over-under is 49. I want to start off by saying I love the Panthers in this game, and I love the over. Both defenses – say crush the over in this game. I was going to say both defenses have not looked good. The Falcons are going to put up a million points, and they are going to give up a million points. And as I talked earlier, and I think this is the first primetime game with the Panthers – we're, they're going to talk about Joe Brady, and we're going to see the mastermind behind this offense. I don't think McCaffrey's going to be back for this game. 
But, I mean, Mike Davis has been very solid. I expect him to have a good game. And then, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is going to throw the football down the field. He's going to sling it against this Falcons team. Oh, yeah. And Mike Davis has struggled the past couple weeks. They haven't been able to get their run game going. Um, Teams have kind of figured out Mike Davis. (laughs) And it has not helped out my fantasy team. But this is the Falcons. Mike Davis will put up points. Um, and yeah, you're right about McCaffrey. It's unfortunate that the week he can come back is a Thursday night game for the Panthers, but this should be a fun game to watch. Actually. I'm looking forward to it. I like watching Falcons games as you know, the craziest shit happens. They blow weeds. They're a fun team. And hopefully, uh, a lot of points are scored in this game. I'm surprised the over under is below 50. The total is below 50. And honestly, the McCaffrey thing, there's really no reason to rush him back. I know they designated him to return from IR. That doesn't mean he's going to play, and there's no reason to rush him back. I know the Panthers are hovering around 500. They are very much in it. But I think realistically, we all know, even if they were to find the way back the way into a seven seed or something, this team is not competing for a Super Bowl right now. Um, the goal there is kind of to develop some of the guys, figure out who's going to be there long term. and if you want guys to be there long-term, you got to keep your franchise running back healthy. And also Mike Davis has looked very good. He had a good game against the Falcons. They just played a couple weeks ago. So um, I think for sure, like you said, Donovan, this is going to be a very good chance for Teddy Bridgewater to show that he is all the way back from that, in, that horrible injury suffered a, suffered a couple years ago. Um, if he doesn't suffer that injury, I think he's still in Minnesota to this day. But I really think Teddy's going to have a, have a good game. The Falcons' defense is not good at all. And I just think Joe Brady is a really good coach under Matt Rule. I think those two guys run that system very well. Oh, and Matt Rule broke out the smock last week. Did anyone yes. see that? Yes, I saw that. Went back to his Baylor, uh, his Baylor fit. I loved, I loved seeing the smock. Um, but, yeah, this is an absolute must-win for Carolina. you got to beat the Falcons at home, especially when your next two games are Kansas City and the Buccaneers. Um, two very tough games. they got to win this one. they got to get the 500 to uh, stay in playoff contention. Yeah, I do think Carolina – I mean, it's tough to say with the NFC West and how that's all going to play out, whether two teams – out of that division, make it out of the three wild card spots, or whether it's only going to be one team that makes the wild card spot. I think this Panthers team could very, very easily be a playoff team. Agreed. All right. And I think that's our show. I want to thank all you guys for listening. Remember to uh, continue to listen and share this, share the podcast with people. And thank you. Spread the word. Keep spreading the love. Enjoy another good weekend of sports, everybody. We'll be back in a couple days. All right, peace.